Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. Over the last few years, Southwest Louisiana has boomed. Billions in petrochemical investments poured into the region and put Lake Charles on an economic tear. And there were plenty of entrepreneurs to take advantage of that bonanza. With big-ticket clientele around and plenty of work, prosperity in in the Lake Charles market was the envy of the state. Well, the pandemic put a halt to that, just like it did the last decade of economic expansion in America, the longest on record. And just when Lake Charles and the rest of Louisiana began to wake up again, it got walloped twice. First, Hurricane Laura, then Hurricane Delta. Luckily, my guests both operate out of Lake Charles and have managed to keep chugging despite the chain of disasters. John uh, Viator operates a pair of bicycle shops, Southern Bicycle Company in Lake Charles and Acadiana Bicycle Company in Lafayette. The industrial clientele in the Lake Charles area has made the shop there very successful, and he's catered to them, but he's also diversified. He launched a golf cart operation two years ago, Southern Golf Cars. He's also developing a retail brand for runners and has eyes on the shoe market. John, thanks for coming on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Business for my next guest was hardly impacted by the pandemic and really took off after Hurricane Laura. Cody Porsche's company, Porsche Aerial Imagery, flies unmanned drones for aerial photography in the Lake Charles industrial sector. Drones are cheaper and safer to operate than helicopters and have begun to shoulder in on that market. And as you can imagine, aerial photography is in pretty high demand after a disaster. And Cody says Laura's really kept him very busy since it came ashore with devastating effect across southwest Louisiana. Cody, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. So, you know, John, you know, you, you've kind of been in a unique situation, um, you know, for, for listeners out here in Acadiana, right, where you can actually contrast your markets, right? Like what it's like to operate a retail operation in Lake Charles, what it's like to operate a retail market in, in, in Lafayette. Um, so I'm really curious. I mean, it seems like, of course, you know, Lake Charles has been much harder hit by the storms than, than the Lafayette area. I mean, are you still bullish, let's say, on, on your, you know, your ability to kind of reinvest to get things going again back in the Lake Charles area? I mean, it sounds like you, you were really optimistic about the way things were going in there, you know, of course, before all this happened. Yeah, everything was going really well. I mean, obviously, everybody knows how well bicycle sales are doing during the pandemic. I mean, the shop was pretty good before all this, but uh, the contrast between Lafayette and Lake Charles, as far as the hurricane situation specifically, I mean, it's not ideal by any means. I mean, so we went from selling everything we could get our hands on to not having any bikes to be having to be closed for, you know, over a month because uh, we didn't have any power and, and we still don't have any bikes. So it's, uh, uh, the La- I mean, Lafayette is by far the smaller store of the two stores. Um, cause Lake Charles, like Cody, I have a very industrial side to my store. I sell all the plants bikes. Um, so, I mean, the commercial side has helped. So, you know, we're still able to sell things to local industry, um, when we don't have a, a, as strong of a retail, but I mean, I've been talking to my manager and he says that, I mean, a lot of people want to get away from all of the, you know, daily grind dealing with insurance and 
everybody's going to get to a point. I think they have, you know, before the second storm that they finally got to a point where they uh, aren't having to tarp their house and cut out drywall and all the other stuff. And they want to get back to some normalcy, you know, so they start riding their bike again. So that's really interesting. You said you mentioned earlier that that a lot of your clientele is actually the plants themselves. They're buying the bikes. I mean, what do they buy bikes for? So everybody, plants are like little small cities. So they have to get around that facility, and then they have to get in the operating units, and they're all not allowed to bring certain like they can't bring anything that's combustible up to a valve. So if you get to a certain point, they have like operators, engineers, specific trades will use bicycles to get to specific places. And honestly, that's why I got into golf carts because they use golf carts quite a bit in the local plants. So Cody, I I know things have been pretty hectic for you since the storms. Um, And I got the sense just kind of from reading things that maybe, you know, the the petrochemical boom was, you know, maybe slowing a little bit. But, you know, I understand that your business model, you kind of look at these long-term contracts, you're able to kind of land something when they're putting one of these things up. So, But I'm kind of curious, like, you know, even if things keep going gangbusters, right, there's at some point at which, like, you run out of space to build new plants. So what other kinds of, uh, you know, business opportunities, market opportunities do you find to keep going whenever, you know, you're kind of looking at a feast or famine situation with these, you know, giant multi-billion dollar investments? Right, right. So the the like you had, the main point is when they're being built, right? And that's that's kind of like the bread and butter of the industry. Uh, to get a four, maybe even six-year contract uh, to follow the progress. But even when they're built, uh, we're seeing a ton of demand uh, of just reoccurring uh, inspections uh, related to whether it be exhaust uh, towers or even like what we're calling the trains, uh, pipes. Uh, there's all kinds of things that, and, and it's not just one department too. It's, it's multiple departments, whether it be the marketing department, uh, whether it be um, even IT all the way down to the engineering level, everybody wants to see their specific part of the plant with a drone. And so uh, that's kind of the way we're continuing onward, even when they're, uh, I guess you'd say built, if you will. Yeah. So, I mean, but outside of say that industry, what Mm -hmm. are you surveying? I mean, I I know that, you know, people might would do stuff for commercials. I mean, there's all kinds of, you see drone shots all over the place. I mean, it seems like maybe that's what you're most interested in doing is kind of working in that industrial sector. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, wh- wh- where are you applying this technology? So you hit it right on the, uh, the head there would be, uh, I guess, marketing firms. So we do a lot of commercials for companies, uh, a lot of supplemental work for ground companies that come out and do video, let's say typically for car commercial where it's only ground shots what we called out to do uh, supplemental drone shots. Um, that's sort of like the beauty side of things. Um, you know, uh, I guess on the other side would be some kind of environmental uh, issues. It's kind of related to plant work, but not inside of the plant. So not many people know that when plants are built, there's a whole uh, a realm of, uh, of items that they have to take care of around the plant, right? Where it comes to wetlands. So that also relates to that industry. Um, it's quite a bit, pretty much anything that someone wants to see from the air, I, I, I tell them we can get it done. Uh, and uh, yes, while industry is the primary uh, source, uh, it, it's, it, it's a lot of uh, different things, whether it be even real estate also is starting to kind of pick up, especially with the hurricanes. Now, everybody wants to see what their houses or offices looks like uh, after devastation. And even for insurance purposes, I've, I've had one person 
uh, most recently state that they were able to fight uh, their insurance claim with the uh, pictures that we took for them, and uh, it helped them out to get up some more money. So, so I imagine at this stage you, you've run a number of flight hours, you know, since the storms. I mean, uh, look, we've all seen the pictures of what it looked like immediately after Laura. You know, I, I, of course, tragically again to see people putting things back together, and then you get hit by another storm. But I mean, w- what are things like there now? I mean, like, give us a bird's eye view of, of what you're seeing. I mean, yeah, so uh, I think John will agree here. You know. <sighs> We, we actually did a ton of cleanup after Laura. Uh, there was a lot of people that, you know, houses were tarped, uh, a lot of debris by the roads uh, because trash pickup is just going to be over the next couple of months, we imagine. Um, so when Delta came, uh, fortunately, uh, it wasn't a, uh, a ton of new devastation, in my opinion, uh, after seeing even at uh, industrial plants or whether it be commercial uh, areas around the, the, the city. Uh, but unfortunately, tarps don't hold up even in 110 mile an hour winds. So I think more of the devastation that we're not seeing is homes and businesses that are now getting water ingress uh, through Delta. So in terms of a bird's eye view, uh, not a lot's changed uh, other than tarps flying around, uh, if you will. John, I mean, kind of pivoting back to you, I mean, in terms of like where things have gotten at this point, given, you know, I think you mentioned earlier that folks have, you know, maybe gotten fed up with putting the tarps up. Maybe they got to a point where the tarps are up and they can kind of get back to their lives. I mean, what are you noticing folks are looking to buy in your shops? I know you sell more than bikes, right? I mean, are folks coming in and, and change, does this change their buying habits at all? I mean, beyond just maybe making them shop less? Uh, well, I mean, it'd help if we had bikes for them to buy, you know, <laughs> stock and I mean, really just all, across all, all recreation that there's no product. I mean, from boats to kayaks to, I mean, outdoor furniture, it's crazy. You know, you, you were looking ahead, you saw the pandemic coming and you're thinking, all right, well, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be supply chain issues. We're not going to have enough inventory. I mean, so it sounds like it may be even given your expectations it exceeded that. Yeah, I, fig- I, f- I expected at a certain point in time for it to let up, you know, and I mean, it's, I'm talking specifically about the, and, and the golf cart shop too. And I actually bought another golf cart shop that has, that covers the whole state with, with three more locations and it's everywhere is, is, has taken on the same, I mean, real just burden and problems. You just can't get anything. And, and I, I saw that, you know, it would coming into play that we're looking we're looking anywhere for bikes just to have something in the store for people to buy. And I mean, people, we had waiting lists that are 50 plus people long, you know, calling people when stuff trickles in and they show up and buy it. And then it's still happening now, you know, and uh, the biggest thing is about the demand is how they manufacture product, you know, because like my main manufacturer, they manufacture in Cambodia and, uh, in Taiwan. So they weren't, I mean, obviously they were hit by COVID, but not ways that other, other manufacturing was hit. They weren't hit because their manufacturing was closed. They were hit because of the demand. And then other things that trickled down because of like, you know, dock closures because of COVID exposures and other, you know, getting the product into the States. And, and then essentially the problem is the demand got so high that everything was already allocated. Meaning if it, was coming in to my manufacturer, it was already sold going to somebody. So, I mean, it's, it's going to take a while for it to catch back up. So, so Cody, I mean, obviously you're not retailing anything, but you got a 
buy equipment for your business? I mean, have, have you, uh, you know, not really kind of being terribly familiar with, with, you know, what capital investment looks like in, um, uh, unmanned drone, uh, photography. I mean, it, has that complicated your ability to do your work at all, at least in terms of you know, acquiring the things that you need? Well, uh, you know, fortunately the drones that we're buying are the long-term drones. So we've already had them. Uh, so, in terms of the the pandemic, if you will, uh, and the hurricanes, we've not. I my company has not seen any issues related to supply. Uh, maybe parts would be a little bit tougher to get, like batteries and whatnot. But you know, it, not on a level to, like John is dealing with, where I'm I'm having to either turn people down. And it, you know, I have all the equipment with me now. Moving forward, like we're looking into buying new equipment that's coming out. Um, they're saying like projected dates are ship dates are January. I'm very skeptical of that because of, so yes, maybe eventually it will uh, affect us uh, in a way, but right now I've been able to skim by. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. I mean, I'm curious, like, you know, you've talked about, you know, it sounds like you've, you're maybe contracting with folks on an individual basis. Uh, you mentioned, you know, for insurance purposes, things like that. I mean, are the folks that are reaching out to you for disaster photography, is it mostly, you know, corporations? Is it mostly individuals? Do you, are you getting government contracts? I mean, who, who's actually coming to you and saying like, I need, you know, to somebody to survey the, the damage? Right. So uh, off the bat, uh, it, it is industrial clients, um, especially the ones that we already have contracts with, or even new ones that are just on a PO basis where they're just having to get an eye view of the plant immediately. Uh, that was the original stressor. But once the plants are done, I mean, there's not, you know, there, there's a lot of them here, but uh, you know, after you do 10 of them, uh, those phone calls stop. But uh, uh, after that, it, it's more commercial side, whether it be contractors uh, who need roof reports to do bids um, and other companies that just want to generally see their assets uh, that have laid on yards or uh, stockpiles, if you will. Uh, and then the final would be, um, it, it's the less of a demand are individuals who just want to spend, you know, a, a couple hundred dollars, if you will, to see what their property looks like, or maybe have to fight their insurance company. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. I'm talking with drone pilot Cody Porsche and bike retailer John Viator. You know, John, something you mentioned earlier, right? I mean, obviously it sounds like your biggest challenge here is, you know, needing something to sell people, right? And, um you know, what is it actually going to take for, for that bottleneck to finish? Is it, is it really just, you know, manufacturers being able to get back to work or is it, you know, I mean, it almost sounds like there's like a national golf cart shortage, if I'm understanding correctly. I mean, is this that big of a problem or is this localized to this area? Well, the company I bought, I'm, I'm actually the guy that sells the golf cars to the smaller people like I was before now. So I'm on the flip side of it. So, you know, before when I was a small guy, I was like, man, they got to be full of it. There's no way there's a shortage. Well, I'm on the other side. They weren't full of it. It's real. You know, I mean, it's the problem is like, so I'm the distributor for club car. So meaning, and I have the entire state of Louisiana. So I'm the only person that can sell club car to a golf course. And then when I sell it to a golf course, it's for a term. And then we buy those cars back at the end of the term. And then we wholesale those cars. And that's the circle of life on a used car. So all the used people like the shop in Westlake, what I was before this, they get those cars from people like me. It's, I essentially bought the business that I was buying my cars from. And like Club Car, for example, they, they do it nationally. So they'll sell to big golf, golf courses all over the United States. 
and they have this big laydown yard where they have, you know, it's like 30 acres of paved concrete and they set these wholesale cars, so 60, 70 car fleets, and they turn them over and they set them down in this yard and there's not a car in that yard. So it's just everything just shot through the roof as far as demand. And then on the, we sell new cars on the other, on the flip side, whereas it would take two to three weeks for them to manufacture a car and get it to us. If we ordered it, it takes 10 to 12 right now. And it's purely, there's, you get, you can sprinkle in some COVID like they had to shut the factory down for two weeks. They're having trouble getting foam for their cushions. You know, it's, you got to break it down to a whole nother level that it, it's not, it's not every part of the process. Like Cody was saying with maybe getting batteries or getting new equipment, it's, it, it might just be one material for that product that they're struggling to get for whatever reason. And it throws everything off. And as far as timeline and fixing it, I don't have a clue, but I mean, I, I would predict I mean, I, I would say is like the cycling industry or the golf car industry. I would say at least I would say it's not going to be normal for another year, wow. at least. So I kind of want to back out with both of you guys just for a second, right? I mean, we've obviously been focusing on business in 2020, which is kind of hard to draw any really con- really any conclusions about you know, what, what things would look like in, in normal times. And of course, like I think in the rest of the state, the perception of what was happening in Southwest Louisiana for a while, especially around Lake Charles, was just kind of this amazing industrial boom, right? I mean, can you guys give us a sense of what that was actually doing for your businesses? I mean, was it as gangbusters as people really understood it to be? We you know hear about these massive um, you know, uh, temporary towns, right. Where people were coming into work, like just like billions pouring in and people showing up. I mean, did it do for your businesses what people would generally think or, or were things just kind of more gradual? I have a unique perspective because I feel I, I, I have operations in quite a few different parts in the state. So I, I've actually been asked this quite a few times. Oh, you're from like Charles, man, you must be, you know, a lot of people don't realize that I, I sell industrial items. So it's, kind of it's it's very unique in that sense as well but it it is and it isn't to answer the question honestly i think you know someone like cody's probably really benefited from it because you know his technology is kind of groundbreaking for them building new plants and it's almost a requirement now to a degree i would think because of all the regulations i mean a lot of people don't realize how many regulations these facilities have to go through before they can even put a shovel in the ground. So the biggest thing is, is it really good for the economy? Yes. Is it, is it a long, is some of it going to last long lasting? Yes. Is it as big as everybody portrays it to be? No, it's not like, did it greatly affect my bicycle shops or golf cart shops? Uh, it, Cause you know, I have, I've owned it long enough. You know, the bike shop I bought, I bought both of them in 2015. The golf cart shop started in 2018. You know, the 2015 would be arguably before like the boom, you would say. And business is no different than it was then, honestly. Um, I've grown naturally, but it's not because of, you know, I've I've sold, I've, I've pivoted and took on more product lines and sold more stuff. So it didn't, I mean, and then the biggest thing is a lot of these contractors that they're choosing are from out of town you know so it's kind of like the pandemic some people really benefited and some people 
really did not benefit. Cody, does that measure up your experience? It sounds like, you know, maybe, yeah, I mean, that would make sense that a company like yours would, would be kind of more on the front end, right? If there's some trickle-down effect, that yours would be sort of at the top of the line, just given the nature of your work. Is, but it, it, I don't want to assume that to be the case. Is that true? Yeah, John, you hit it perfect. Um, yes, we have, my company has benefited from this industrial boom. Um, uh, I, I will also relate to John when he says, if you will, it's, it's sort of a temporary thing. So like when these plants are being built at peak at the last one that the contract came to an end uh, at peak, I think there were 12,000 temporary workers on site, which in that moment, yes, all of those people need a place to stay, sleep, eat everything. Right. So, you know, that local economy is, is booming. The big thing is what people don't understand is when the plants are built, they go from 12,000 uh, to maybe 200, 300. So it's a drastic difference in, uh, during the process, which is still a six-year ordeal, and it's great uh, in, in, even for companies like mine, and, and I try to take advantage of that as much as possible. But yes, when the plant's built, the, the, the PO numbers go down, the spending goes down, um, and, and they, go, they, they actually st start making money, if you will. So it's kind of weird. Whenever they're uh, being built, tons of money is being spent around the area. And like John said, not always to local companies. So when there's 10 plants being built, I'm not at every one of them. Uh, uh, you know, I don't even know if I'd want that kind of headache. You know, sometimes they're using uh, outside companies. Uh, and it, it, that's out of my control, if you will. But um, it's I guess you'd say it's a good good thing it, for some people. It also can be a bad thing whenever the plants are finished, because it's kind of like, you know, they're they're left with, uh, you know, not as big of a boom. It's not. 100% sustainable, I guess you'd say. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I mean, certainly the kind of the vibe that you get or we've gotten sort of in other parts of the state, right, is like, you know, and this is the way economic development professionals talk about it. It's always in these sort of terms of like, we got billions being spent, right, and it, and so much being injected and like, this has to be a good thing. So it, it's interesting to hear that both of you kind of say like, well, you know, there's aspects of it. Yeah, that works. And in other ways, it, it, it doesn't. And it's also an interesting comparison to the pandemic itself. I mean, what what piece of this do you think will last? And again, I'm kind of at this point trying to like take the pandemic and the hurricanes out of it and look at this kind of in the closest lens of normality that you can. I mean, like what aspect of this growth do you think was going to stick around? Like if we didn't run into this total train wreck that was 2020? Well, there's certain aspects of it that are, you know, like I don't know what you would call the people that you're referencing, the experts or whatever, but there are certain aspects of it that, are real that are gonna last like it's there if you build another a lot of people don't realize how many facilities we actually have because i sell to pretty much every single one of them i'm sure cody does as well now they, there's we have quite a few petrochemical facilities even outside of these projects and there's actually a lot more projects going on than the ones they actually focus on so i mean i stay pretty in tune with it because it's i mean i i view it as a very uh unique like say my bike shop in Lafayette I don't have that to pick from over there I don't that it's purely a bike shop like if it's I view it it's there I need to take advantage of that so all these new facilities they're building they go from this peak of all these workers and they come down to this you know normalized operation of people and they, they use a lot of and, and even though like Cody alluded to you go from 12,000 to 200 each facility is going to have 200 people that actually physically work for the plant on staff, but then every single one of them is going to have outside contract work. So it's not the fifties anymore where everybody's on a pension and, and they employ every trade. 
everything's contracted out. So they have to have X amount of staff for operations and, you know, human resources and, you know, all of these different uh, jobs, but like, you know, everything else they contract out. So you're going to have a lot of jobs added and that's going to stimulate the economy and it's going to bring more people in. I mean, I also have a unique situation where I have a few rent houses. So, you know, I've, I've rented to a lot of construction people and it is real. They are there and they, and they're kind of, the good thing is, is they've hopped from job to job because there's a lot of plants going on. You know, there's a lot of jobs going on from, you know, the Sassol project to the, I know Cody did a lot at the Chenier project, at the LNG project and then Chenier. And then there's a lot of plants that are adding on to their facilities that really doesn't even get talked about. There's still big projects on their own, right? So, I mean, just by, if they're, if they're building a plant, it's going to make a long-term impact and it's going to matter for our economy. Um, I would argue the point of how big of an impact it makes because, you know, the thing about a lot of these guys, they're, some of them, a lot of these temporary workers are driving in from Texas and they're driving back home. So they're stimulating like restaurants and all those places have been killing it. But the other flip side of that is you got like, you got, like I do like some Nomex and stuff like that as well. And you got a lot of the, there's a lot of these people that came in when this happened. And I, I think they do it everywhere. When all these booms were happening, they, 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 they come in and they do this, you know, in Baton Rouge and they do this over here and they got multiple locations. Well, they come open a location over here. So all of that, they're all pulling a small percentage from everybody else that was already here doing it, you know? So I, I think it could be really good for local companies you know, if, if they're competitive and I think it probably has been for a lot. Yeah. Cody, what about you? I mean, do you, do you feel like a piece of this is going to stick around? And again, let's throw 2020 out of the equation and try it as much as you possibly can. Yeah, no, it definitely is going to stick around and we're all very fortunate to, to live here and, and, um, and benefit from that. It, yeah. When the experts throw out these massive numbers, like every, you know, billions and billions. Yeah. I mean, they are spending those billions. Um, uh, but, you know, you know, when it normalizes, uh, I guess even the feel of uh, living here, knowing that uh, we're exporting you know, LNG gas uh, all around the world, um, you know, that's they have contracts that are in stone for the next 10, 15 years. So, like, yeah, it's a it's a very long term effect. Um, yeah. So I guess it's a two part deal. Right. You have the initial build, which can be really chaotic if you've ever even been on one of these sites. Uh, it's like it's its own other world. Uh, and then, you know, when the plant's finished, yes, the, the, the amount of jobs does go down. Uh, but like John said, there's a ton more to it, uh, you know, just contractor wise to help build these plants or help uh, maintain the plants and keep them operated. Uh, it definitely still has a long-term impact. So yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. It, it's a, it, it's a great thing. And, and like John said, certain, certain companies uh, are going to benefit more than others. Uh, and, you know, I happen to be on the the, the good side of that, uh, and unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I mean, not every single company is, is going to be just loving the industrial side of things here. But uh, who who does? You just you know, you, you do what you can. Uh, um, well, they say you make it uh, as, as quick as you can uh, until you can't, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. that's what we're doing. Yeah, so I guess the lesson here, right, is it doesn't matter if the disruption is an economic boom or an economic disaster. I mean, there are going to be winners and losers, and you have to adapt to be on the right side of that. It sounds like both of you guys have been able to at least, um, you know, 
keep your heads above ground, which is great to hear. Um, and so Cody and John, I- I'm you know really glad to hear that you guys have you know made it work in a challenging environment. And thanks so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Cody Porsche of Porsche Aerial Imagery and John Viator of Southern Bicycle Company and Acadiana Bicycle Company. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on KRVS, and you can hear our unedited version uh, and find out more about Cody and John and their companies by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, itsacadiana.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Jill LaFleur, and you can find more of her work at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researchers are Ann Christian and Maggie Mendel. I'm Christian Mader, editor of The Current, Lafayette's community-owned nonprofit newsroom. For more great stories and conversation, check out our website at thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletters. I'll see you here again next time around our virtual lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.